Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. We're winding our way through the Hornets 22-23 roster, and today we're going to talk about Teo Maladon, brought to the team on a two-way contract, basically on the eve of preseason play. And not only did he play well for the Greensboro Swarm, but he played very well for the Charlotte Hornets, having a career-high season in terms of field goal percentage, free throw percentage, assists per game. This for a player who had been a primary starter earlier in his career, and uh, this season had that role at certain points, but certainly not quite as much with LaMelo Ball and Dennis Smith Jr. and other guys on the roster. Helping me break down the season that was for Teo Maladon, he is my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Ron Blongo here with us once again. And Rob, let's get right into it. Teo Maladon came to the team, I thought, at the start of the season was a really savvy two-way contract pickup by Mitch Kupchak. And we were thinking, pie in the sky, oh, this is this is a guy who maybe can contribute every now and again. If, you know, one of those rare injuries shows up, maybe get in there for a five-game spell and you've got a player who has had significant starting experience in the NBA and be able to put him onto the floor and have him be your backup. Little did we know at the time that that he was going to be needed to start seven games, play heavy minutes at times, and in many respects have a career year. But safe to say the Hornets were benefactors for having him there and also for his development. He got a lot of time on the floor in a different system, showed a lot of growth, and I think further established himself as a guard in this league. Yeah, you've recapped that pretty good, considering that I think at the beginning of the year, if you said that Teo Maldon's going to play 44 games in a Charlotte Hornets uniform on a two-way deal... Something went wrong, and something certainly did go wrong with all of the injuries. He ended up starting seven games, which is the same amount that he started in Oklahoma City a season ago. But, I mean, what a great pickup it ended up being. Again, kind of like you mentioned, last-minute, 11th-hour deal, had an open two-way slot. Why not bring him in, get some added depth? see how he develops, that sort of thing. And again, he's did a really good job. I mean, I know the scoring was down a little bit compared to last season and the minutes were a little bit higher, more or less. But again, you got to keep in mind, too, who he was out on the floor with and the situations and how it was basically him getting thrusted into environments that he probably wasn't 100% comfortable with. And that's just the nature of all of the injuries and the lack of continuity and that sort of thing. And look great in the G League as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I know we're going to talk about the future of Teo and that sort of stuff. But if anything, what Teo Maladon was able to accomplish this season is that he does have a future in this league. It depends on the role that he's looking for and that sort of thing. But again, he's only 21 years old. I think a lot of people don't realize that and realize that he was drafted to OKC at the ripe old age of 19. And again, it's kind of well documented what the Thunder are at this point in their franchise. Again, they make the play in tournament this season at least. But previously, it was basically stockpiling young guys and seeing what sticks to the wall. And unfortunately for Teo, he was kind of the odd man out in that situation in Oklahoma City. But it was able to be an advantage here for Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets, and they were able to pick him up, and you can't say enough good things about what Teo was able to accomplish this year just because of the situations, like we talked about it. I know we keep harping on these injuries, but that's the nature of the season that the Hornets had, and he was able to at least come in and spell some minutes for some of these guys and provide some quality minutes when people were unfortunately hurt. So, again, I think it's one of those things you couldn't ask much more from what Teo did this season, but overall, 
a great job by Teo to step into a role that he probably wasn't 100% comfortable with, and he was able to accomplish a lot. Yeah, one thing that's maybe a cautionary tale when you look at a player like Teo Maladon is is the risk that happens when you draft a lot of 19, 20-year-olds. And something we're seeing in Houston, for example, when you put all these guys together and they're trying to figure it out all simultaneously, it's really difficult to figure out how to play at the NBA level, find your role and affect winning. And if you're not doing all three and you're constantly drafting more young guys, there's a constant pressure to put another one of those young guys out there. Now, in the case of OKC, at his specific position, you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You, in theory, have Josh Giddy. So there's some other high-priced talent that you're also having play the point guard position that maybe that contributes to why they felt Teo Maladon was expendable. But there's also the fact that when he was drafted, I remember this vividly, there was some chatter out there like, hey, maybe the second-round pick out of France could end up being a dark horse rookie of the year candidate because he was going to play so many minutes. It was before Josh Giddy got there. They thought he'll play alongside Shea Gilgis Alexander, maybe stack up a lot of stats. And, uh, you know, he had solid seasons, but maybe not spectacular ones early on. Then Giddy comes in, his minutes come down, his final season in OKC, and they were rather quick to let him go, quite frankly. And again, to the Hornets' benefit, he has a career season, career high in assists per games, three and a half, career high field goal percentage, 40% from the field and he really ended strong last three games he averaged 17 plus points per game eight assists per game two of those contests he was solidly in double figures in assists and he shot 41 percent from three in his last three contests we'll see if one of those ends up being his favorite moment from the 22-23 season coming up next Dale Maladon sits down with me here on the Hornet Tivecast. Welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast, and we welcome in one last time here on the 22-23 season. The topic of today's Hornets Hivecast, Teo Maladone, his first season now complete. Teo, you started the season really just on the eve of the season getting going. You're signed to a two-way contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Thinking back to your expectations then and what you've been able to accomplish on the floor with this team, how would you rate your first season in Charlotte? I think there was a lot of great things. You know, like you said, like coming in when the season was just starting, missing training camp and like just got kind of thrown into the fire because of injuries. I felt like I did a pretty good job uh, staying ready, you know, learning the system, learning uh, coach principles and uh, being able to play the way I played. Then uh, I went back to the G League a little bit where I got the chance, you know, to get some more minutes to experience more stuff having a bigger role but then coming back uh, to finish the season strong like I did you know I felt like it was uh, something really positive in terms of best moment or best game for the season do you have one game that sticks out for you I think uh, probably the game in OKC you know just because of the context you know and uh, being able to go out there play well and uh, get a win most importantly that was huge possession down by two. Teo Maladone dribbles around the screen into the paint. Goes off contact. Off glass. Good for two. Counted and a foul and a chance for the Hornets to take the lead here in OKC. And for those that were uh, unaware of the context, I mean you were drafted by them and I remember when you were drafted even though you were second round pick just given the way the roster looked at the time and some of the buzz coming in about you. There was talk All right, maybe this guy will be all rookie team. Maybe this guy will uh, achieve a lot. Thinking back to when you came into the league, you were a 19-year-old kid, 
and now you're still very young at 21, but to, to think of how far you've come along and, and having that big game happen at OKC, I mean, what do you take away from uh, that journey that you've been on here? Just that I'm grateful for it, you know. I feel like it's been, what, two or three years, but I feel like it's been way more. But at the same time, you know, I'm really grateful for all the highs, the lows, things that I went through, the, the things I learned, you know, and just trying to carry those things over, you know, and uh, keep moving forward in, with my career. With the year you put together now, very confident that that career is going to have a, a long way in front of it. But in terms of the growing pains and what it takes to achieve in the league, I don't think we're going back to a time where players are entering the league more at the age you are now than the one you were when you were drafted into the NBA. But how difficult is it for 19, 20-year-old players, kids, to compete in the NBA against all those other players that are far more developed physically and, and maturity-wise? I think it shows a lot of character, you know, like you, you're tested during those times, you know, so you're just trying to, you're just trying to be ready to be steady, to learn and uh, get the most experience that you can get. But it's for sure a challenge, you know, but that's what we play basketball for at the same time, you know, you want to face the challenge and uh, learn from them. When you were in the G League and coming down the stretch of the season, you played with a lot of the other young players on the Hornets roster, JT Thor, James Booknight, Mark Williams, you name it, you played with them. What do you see in terms of the growth, the development of this younger core of the Hornets that was forced into a more prominent position in terms of minutes on the team than might have uh, been designed at the onset of the season due to injuries? I think... Um most of the guys here, um, when they were sent to the G League, they really took it seriously. You know, um, they they took a, a professional approach to it. You know, um, really with the mindset of going there to to get better. And uh, I think it carried over when they got called back uh, with the Hornets. I think they they didn't cheat nothing. You know, and uh, that paid off when uh, they they got their name called and was on the floor and competing. You closed the season really strong. Three straight games with double-digit scoring. Actually averaged 17 points per game over that stretch, shooting over 40% from three. And in total on the year, you had career highs in assists, field goal percentage, free throw percentage. How good do you feel about your future right now, either in Charlotte or I, I have to say either in Charlotte, because even though we were rooting for you, you, I know you're a free agent, and I'm rooting for everyone to make as much money as they possibly can. And, and so I hope for nothing but the best for you. But you know, in, in terms of what you've done for yourself in your career with what you were able to put on tape, show on the floor. How good do you feel about what's to come? I feel like I'm on the right path, you know. I feel like every year I got better. Maybe just not with stats, you know, but just like understanding the game, what I need to do to get on the court to uh, earn coaches and uh, players' trust. Trying to play efficiently, you know, and uh, just trying to play my role. I felt like throughout those years I already got better. You can see like the last stretch where uh, average like uh, a lot of assists, you know, like things that I never done before. I think that showed a lot of the growth that I had throughout those years, and uh, I think the goal is always to keep improving, uh, see things I could get done better, and uh, improve them, work on my game, and. Uh, staying on that consistent basis of improvement. So much of the numbers that I've thrown at you that are easy to focus on are, are offensive, but the reason the team was as competitive as it was post-All-Star break was because of defense, something that mm-hmm. head coach Steve Clifford and the staff is known for. What did you learn about defense from this team that maybe you hadn't encountered in your previous NBA stops? Uh, I think I would say I've seen uh, coverage that I haven't seen in the NBA so far. 
like rotations, uh, little things like that that I had to learn when I got here. But really, I sh- uh, it's a lot about competing, you know, and just wanting wanting more. And uh, we had great defensive minded guys like Dennis, Cody, that always, you know, like set the tone. And I felt like those things you can you can learn from them. You can see how they're doing it, like the way they impact the game. And so when you get on the court, you're trying to do the same thing, you know, because you wanna you wanna bring energy to uh to whenever you get on the court. So that's a way to do it. So it was a good thing to learn from them. Well, Tao, it's been a lot of fun watching you all season long and seeing your growth and development. As I mentioned before, you're a free agent, so we are rooting for nothing the best for you individually, but also hoping uh, selfishly that we get to keep you around here because it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. And I will use the full extent of my two years of high school French and say merci, au revoir, have a wonderful summer. That was great. We look for- <laughs> thank you. And I should have said merci again there. See, that's why it's only two years of French. But thank you so much, Tao. We, we really enjoyed enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing you again next season thank you appreciate that we'll bring rob longo back in the booth in just a moment stick around you're listening to the hornet Tivecast, brought to you by senta Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. All right, Rob Longo, what did you think of my French there at the end there with Teo Malado? No comment, but if Teo's <laughs> going to compliment you, then you got to take it and run with it, I suppose. I'm going to take it indeed as we, we roll forward, or I guess before we roll forward here, your takeaway from uh, my conversation there with Teo. I thought it was interesting that he really highlighted the defense. I mean, I think that's something that you can already tell that Steve Clifford is really instilled on this team because it was always before Steve Clifford returned for a second stint here in Charlotte, it was always the defense has to get better, the defense has to get better. Well, now all of a sudden they've gotten a lot better. And I think the fact that players are noticing that and saying defensive-minded first and mentioning guys like Dennis Smith Jr., and we've heard Mark Williams time and time again been mentioning that as well, that it's really working. And the fact that Teo Maldon's able to kind of get thrown into this and thrust it into this lineup and this team at the last moment, and he's able to recognize that, I think, is really huge. And the fact that, you know, obviously, coming from a European background, the French game, the European games is a little bit different than the American game, just for a multitude of reasons. And the fact that he was able to adjust with that on the fly, and I mean, this whole career's basically been adjustments when you go from being a teenager that's played in the third-tier level in the French Basketball League, and then you get drafted into the NBA at the age of 19, and then all of a sudden you got to readjust. And I'm sure that going from France and spending time in Paris, going all the way to a city that's, what, 200 miles north of Paris, Texas, and Oklahoma City is a little bit of a different uh, feel and maybe a little bit of a culture shock as well. And then getting traded to Houston, Houston waving him at the last moment, a couple days later getting picked up by the Hornets here on that two-way deal. Just so much... So much adjustment on the fly, I think, from Teo, and the fact that he's still able to produce and play at a high level is really remarkable. So those are kind of the takeaways that I got from the conversation you guys had. Yeah, I think he handled adversity really, really well this past season and overcame a lot of it and had, in many respects, a career year. Moving forward, it feels like he has further established himself in the NBA. He has so much upside, being that he is still only 21. He'll be 22 come the start of the next season. Did some really nice things, including improving his field goal percentage first time in his career he wraps up a season shooting better than 40 percent from the floor that's a significant jump up in terms of his career numbers uh, he was about where he had been in terms of three-point shooting uh, which is 
a little bit below the NBA average, if we're being honest, but uh, still he, he had a good year in his own personal development in that regard. And despite playing fewer minutes than the majority of the other seasons that he's ever played in the NBA, he had a career high in terms of averages for assists per game. That's important. His rookie season with OKC, he was the starting point guard for the majority of the season, averaged 27 minutes per game, finished with three and a half assists per contest. This time around, he was primarily a backup for the Hornets. That was the the majority of the games that he played. That would be the role he'd end up being the backup point guard brought up to the team. There were some times where he was a starter. There were some times where he'd only come in there at the very, very end of games and his minutes would be next to nothing. But over the entirety of the season, he averages three and a half assists per game, a career high. So a lot of positives there. How he could fit into a future Hornets roster, I think it's entirely dependent on other factors that are outside of his control. Is Dennis Smith Jr. back with this team again? Another unrestricted free agent who there needs to be a decision made on. What does the draft look like for the Charlotte Hornets? Does another point guard come in based off the positioning the Hornets have in the draft that's still to be determined? Either elite first rounder or are we looking later in the first round, somewhere in the second? Is that a spot that Teo Maladon might have had if we're just rolling the roster into next year that gets occupied based off who the Hornets select in the draft? So whether it's here with Charlotte or somewhere else, I feel very confident that Teo Maladon has further solidified his role as an NBA player. Uh, it just remains to be seen whether or not that spot is going to be available to him here in Buzz City, but I think we're both in agreement. We wouldn't mind at all seeing more Teo Maladon here with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, absolutely, and I think again, it's just kind of that resurgence season. I mean, he made a name for himself in the NBA once again, because even if it's whether it's not here in Charlotte, maybe it's a two-way deal, or if it's someone signing him to a full-term contract somewhere else in a different city, I think he's definitely carved out an area for him, for sure. I mean, when you look at the numbers, you kind of touched on the career highs. I mean, the other thing for me is he's kept the turnovers down low, too. I mean, about three and a half assists per game compared to a little bit over one turnover per game. You don't need to be that guy that goes out there and has 20 assists and and limits the turnovers and that sort of stuff. Just make sure you don't lose the game, I guess, in a sense. And that's what Teo Maladon was able to accomplish. And again, I think if he goes somewhere, if it's not in Charlotte or if it is in Charlotte, he has that little bit of at least stability where he has a full summer to kind of understand the system and realize what his role is on that team and that sort of stuff where he's able to overcome that adversity that we've already seen over the last couple of seasons and that he is once he's comfortable then he's able to really develop because I think that's something that a lot of people lose focus of is just kind of the mental aspect of the game where you know if you don't see a shot go in here or there or if you turn the ball over one or two times it can really be detrimental it's something it's really really difficult to just kind of flip that switch and turn it off and you know some of that stuff can carry and be some bad and move on from city to city or team to team or anything like that. And I think a big example of that is James Booknight. We've seen James Booknight really talk about how the mental aspect of the game is something that he really needs to work on. And once he gets that cleared, then he's able to really produce at some numbers that we know that he's capable of. So I'm not saying that Teo Maladon is in that same breath or anything like that, but it's just an underrated part of the game that people don't really think about. And it's something that if Teo Maladon can be more comfortable, then it's going to be a great thing for all parties involved. But at the end of the day, what he was able to do here in Charlotte, hats off to Teo. I mean, coming in at the last second, stepping in, playing 44 games on a two-way deal, that doesn't happen very often. And I know that a lot of things went wrong here in the Queen City this year for the Hornets, unfortunately. But one of the things that went right was that signing by Teo Maladon at the last second that turned into a pretty good deal. 
Yeah, he uh, came in and we kind of viewed him as this is a really nice pickup and maybe uh, someone to have in case, you know, pull handle in case of emergency. Well, emergency happened. Dale Maladon was there to fill some of the gaps, had a really strong season personally and helped the team overall. Our thanks again to Dale Maladon for sitting down with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Coming up next in our journey throughout the entire Charlotte Hornets roster Tuesday, we'll sit down with P.J. Washington and let you hear part of that conversation. I'll give you our breakdown on P.J.'s fourth season here in Charlotte, a significant one, a career high in terms of points per game, a new career high in terms of points in a single game. He did a lot of really good things. Also, in a season that was marked by so much injury, he led the team in games played. No small feat. So we will be talking about P.J. Washington on our next edition of the Hornets Hivecast. With thanks to Rob Longo for joining me on this edition, as well as Teo Maladon, and most of all to all of you for tuning in. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us here today. We will talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.